This right. is an eight iron and it's a dead shank. Wow. Way right. Oh, Takes a hop off the path. You gotta be kidding me. Very tough pitch shot right here. You gotta hit it into the hill. One hop up and bite and it's in. Kind of like that. Well, I would like to welcome two-time PGA Tour winner Kevin Nod to the Sub-70 Podcast. Uh, Kevin, I really appreciate you taking the time tonight to be with us. Thanks, Jason. So last week uh, you were off. Uh, curious if you're working on anything in your game right now or just kind of recharging the batteries and getting ready for this run that's coming up here. The, the next few months are definitely going to be busy. Yeah, I did both. Um, um, I, I'm having... I'm scheduled to play four weeks in a row here, so I had took two weeks off. First week, I didn't really do anything, any practice. I just rest. Um, and then the second week, um, I started going working out a little bit and uh, working on a few things with my swing at home at Southern Highlands with my coach, uh, Drew Steckel. Um, we're working on basically the same thing we've been on working on all year, uh, trying, to, trying to get the shaft a little bit shallower coming down, and that's what, we, what we've been working on. I know this week you're going to be playing uh, out in Dallas at Trinity Forest. You had a good tournament there last uh, year with a T6. How do you like that golf course? I know there was you know, some interesting back and forth uh, in the media of the type of golf courses, a little bit different than what you guys normally play on the PGA Tour. What was sort of your thoughts on the, the core Crenshaw design? Yeah, the first time I, I showed up to Trinity Forest uh, last year, um, I took uh, basically a wedge and a putter and walked about four or five holes, and I immediately liked it. Um, it was definitely different. It's a link-style golf course, uh, a lot of runoffs. You can basically put it anywhere around the green, and uh, it's not a golf course that you usually see in the United States. It's more of like a Scotland feel. Um, just think of like St. Andrews, but in Dallas. Um uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. I think amateurs can really enjoy it because there's not too many forced carries. You can basically run it up from anywhere, and you got to know the course a little bit. Uh, local knowledge comes into play, where to miss it, where to hit it, and use the slope, and it's a lot of fun. I know last year they didn't have it playing as fast and firm as sometimes they would mm. like it. Have you been out there at all this week when you flew in today to see it? Or have you noticed or heard any you know, rumors that they are really going to try to get the ball bouncing, and which I think, you know, as a golfer, I love when you get that creativity mm -hmm. and all those factors kind of come into, to, you know, playing rather than just target golf. You gotta, you gotta feel the shots. You gotta hit a bunch of different shots, which I'm assuming with your game would fit into your wheelhouse. Yeah, um, I haven't been out there yet, but um, looking at the forecast, we're expecting some thunderstorms and um, chance of heavy rain Wednesday. So I think the chance of it. It's going to probably play soft this year, and even though it plays soft, there's plenty. It, this golf course drains pretty well, and there's, there's plenty of slopes on it where balls will still roll down the hill and to the collection areas. Um, I still think it'll be fun, even though it's playing a little soft. Let's talk about the season so far. Ninetieth uh, in the in the FedEx race on on standings, but some solid play of late. I know you said you were talking, you were working with your teacher. Mm -hmm. Looks like you're kind of trending the right direction, you know, especially going into this run that you're on with the PGA Championship coming up. Mm -hmm. How would you assess your season so far, and do you feel like you're kind of really coming into form as well with the better play of late? 
I feel like I'm just starting to get healthy. Beginning of the year, end of last year, I broke my finger, uh, jammed my pinky, and, and fractured at the very tip, just a small fracture. But it, I couldn't hold on to the club, so I couldn't play tournament of champions. Um, I couldn't play basically the first month of the season. When I came back, I, I felt like I was unprepared because I hadn't practiced because of my injury, um, and I felt like I wasn't playing poorly, but I, I was very, very rusty. You know, it took some time for me to get back in the rhythm of things, and I feel like I'm just doing that now. And I've, I've had some good play in the last month or so. Beth Page Black coming up for the PGA with the change of schedule this year for May. Um, your thoughts on the golf course? Good fit for your game? And I guess I might be answering my own question, but probably mm. how they have it set up, right, in the sense of if it's if, if driving accuracy is – premium and it's it's not soft i could see where that could be a good fit if it's soft and wide i'm assuming that's a that's a bomber's got to be a bomber's paradise am i reading that the right way well it's how it's how you look at it look if it's if it's soft so people say well you want it if you're a shorter hitter you want to dry you want to play hard and fast yes but at the same time bombers are still going to hit it 30 40 whatever yards by you and they're coming with a shorter club to a very very difficult and firm green but if you're if it's playing wet i know the course is playing long and the bombers are still the same they're 4 30 40 by you but it doesn't matter what club you hit to the green balls are going to hold so but looking at the forecast um i know the new york area has been getting a lot of rain and they haven't had too much warm temperature from what i've heard it's very wet out there, and they're having trouble growing grass a little bit. So my thought is that this PGA Championship is going to play soft. And I'm okay with that. Even though it's a long golf course, um, I can hit hybrid, five-wood, whatever it takes, and I can be able to hold hold the green. So I'm trying to look at always the glass half full, and that's my thought going into it. With the change this season, have you had to – really kind of relook at your schedule so you don't get worn out. I mean, you guys have a lot of, there's a lot of big tournaments from now yeah. going into the playoffs. Is there some events that you've even had to kind of leave off the table that you normally would love mm-hmm. to play in that you just can't do anymore between the stretch you guys are on? No, not really. You know, I know every year the schedule changes a little bit. And this year it's actually, you know, better because, you you know, you have the majors a little bit spread out compared to the past years um towards the end of the season you you've got um the open championship world championship pg championship and then the playoff and there was so much golf going on towards the end i feel like it's a little bit more spaced out this year um and you know every year you got to you got to pick and choose and i stick to a pretty close schedule of all the tournaments that i usually play Sometimes it just doesn't work out, and you know you leave one out here and there. But it, it, it's not too much different from the past years for me. Being a California guy, Pebble Beach U.S. Open that's gotta that's gotta be looking pretty good on the calendar for you. Um, yes. First off, you know, great golf course, and then my my question is. Is it pretty crazy how much they can change that golf course from say the AT and T? To a U.S. Open, it's the same course, and six months later, the difference in how much more difficult Pebble will play under those conditions. Yes. So the first time I played the U.S. Open was 2010. And <clears throat> I've seen footages in the past where, you know, when Tiger won in 2000, how firm it was playing. And I, I couldn't understand because I was playing Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and it's soaking wet, always raining, cold. 
But when I played the Open in 2010, I was shocked how dry the golf course was, how firm it was. And when we used to throw, you know, shots, you know, 10, 15 feet past the flag uh, during the Pebble Beach Royal and spin it back, during the U.S. Open, you're landing at 10, 15 yards short of the pin. And it makes the golf course totally different. Uh, I know they grow up the roughs, um, they narrow in the fairway. It, it's a totally different golf course. I mean, where, you know, you're trying to shoot four or five under than the Pebble Beach Pro-Am and anywhere around even par is is a really good score. I'd say it's playing 67 shots harder than uh, than February. That's crazy for the same golf course. But th- like I said, that's got to be, you know, that's got to be a golf course that that one has to fit your game well. I it would does. have to imagine. I, I've yeah. had some great finishes at um, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the U.S. Open. I'd say if any out of the four this year, U.S. Open would be my best chance. If you had to pick one to play the rest of your life, Pebble or Cypress, which one would it be? You know, I've never played Cypress. I've had a chance to play it once, um, and I turned it down. And uh, Kenny got me the tee time. It was, was supposed to be – I was staying at a friend's house in San Jose, I was there early for one of uh, at the time it, uh, we were playing court of all anyways, but um, we were trying to get a tee time somewhere and they said, let's go try to get a safer's point. And they said, Kenny and I could play, but I, they wouldn't let my friend on. So I said, I'm pa- I'm staying at the guy's house. I said, I'll pass, but uh, I haven't, I haven't played it, but I heard many, many great things about it. And that's actually one of my things to do. On the, uh, one of my things on my bucket list. You got to play it. It's. I've been fortunate enough to play it once. It was. That's a tough call. I mean, I love Pebble too. Really? Gosh, yeah. yeah. It's. Uh, cool. You know that some some of those stretches on Cypress. It's. I, it. You go see it. If I mean, obviously, it's fantastic. I'm sure. I'm where it is without it, but it's a man that that would be a tough call. If somebody asked me which one would you take, I assumed you had played it before being a California guy and whatnot. But it's so worth it. It's a fantastic walk. It really is. I heard. I mean, I don't play too much social golf. Um, I actually play almost, almost zero social golf, but if, if I was to play, you know, around the golf outside of tour, um, that, that would be one of them. One of them. Yeah. Yes. To see that architecture on that piece of property, it's right. I mean, you got to see that one. Your pathway to the pro game was kind of interesting, right? You're, you're born in mm-hmm. South Korea moved to California. And when did that, you know, that fire or that, you know, drive, at what age did that get into you where, you know, you were at the point as a, as a teenager saying, you know, I'm ready to go pro. How did that sort of all transpire out for you to, to turn pro at such a young age? Well, I think before I even played golf, I was, I was, um, you know, I was competitive in anything I did, you know, um, I wanted to always, you know, I had a hard work, hard, hard work ethics and I was, wanted to beat everybody. Um, you know, I used to swim and I skied and, you know, whatever I did, I, I was, you know, one of those kids that, you know, liked working hard at what I did. And, um, and I t- picked up the game at around eight years old and I got competitive because I want to beat my brother. And he was three years older than me. Obviously he was bigger, you know, played the game, started the game before I did. And, um, that kind of drive me to, to practice. And, I got good pretty pretty quickly. Started playing some junior golf tournaments, and it was fun playing junior golf tournaments with kids that are same age as you. And 
you know, you finish in the top three, they give you a little trophy. I really enjoyed it. And um, in the early teenage years, I, I was getting pretty good. Um, you know, by 15, 16, I was ranked in the top uh, in the country, playing all, you know, all over uh, and flying everywhere, playing national tournaments and winning. So, and I, this is what I want to do. This was my dream to play the PGA Tour. And um, I felt like at 17, right before I turned 18, a month before my birthday, um, I felt like I was ready. Um, I felt like four years of professional golf somewhere versus four years of college golf, I was going to be a better golfer at, at four years of um, mini tours or developmental tours. So I took that route. Um, in hindsight, I, I, I kind of wish I went to college for, you know, a year or less because I wouldn't have gone for more than a year just to say that I've gone. Um, I know all these young kids have asked me that wanted to turn pro says, Hey, uh, what do you think I should do? I tell them to go to college. If you don't, if you really don't want to go, go for one semester. That way you say you've been there, you've done that. You're experiencing the same thing that you are with all your friends at that age. And um, you've got a team to root for, root for March Madness. That's an interesting perspective because I, I thought just generically the answer would have been as good as you were as an amateur. That experience to go over and, and play in Asia and learn how to mm -hmm. become a touring professional would outweigh what you're going to gain in college, right? Because you're playing professional golf and you learn how to travel and you learn how to be a mm -hmm. pro, right? You're saying you would have done the college thing just essentially as a, as a growing experience. Is that one time in your life when you could just sort of be a yeah. college student and play? Is that sort of the angle you're taking with it? I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. And you know, you, you know, you can have, college buddies i mean you even though you only want a semester just suppose like you, you go talk to somebody hey, where'd you go to college oh i went to ucla or wherever that might be that's where i would have probably gone um but um yeah i i think you're know, playing overseas was great i played asia i played i played in europe before i got on the pga tour um i learned a lot i saw the world um and obviously if you haven't seen the world to the kids you don't know how blessed you are living in the u.s um and uh, it, it was a it was a big eye opener for me, and I learned a lot. Um, just not not only golf, but uh, you know about life. And yeah, all those experiences are great. But I could have still done that going going to you know six months of college, and then and then go to Asia. So, you know, that's just my thought right now. The way if I'm looking back, um, but you know, I have no regrets. Um, things worked out great for me. I've been very blessed to play the game I love and make a good living out of it. Was the skill set you gained by by going and playing overseas and doing that? By the time you let's say took that four year, you know, from the time you were eighteen to twenty two, mm -hmm. was your game that much better by going through that experience and going over there? And then I know you played in Europe and you won over mm -hmm. in Asia. Like, did was that was that experience basically invaluable yeah. for to get you ready for the PGA Tour to just go do it? I mean, looking back, did it kind of help build to, to the player that you are today? Yes. I mean, I played, I only played two years overseas and then I got on the PG tour when I turned, just turned 20. So it only took me two years, but, um, I mean, in Asia, I learned, I mean, flying all across the country, adapting to different grass, different weather, um, uh, different culture, food. Um, and then you go over to Europe and learn how to play in the wind, the, you know, the rain. Um, you learn a lot playing overseas and the conditions are not, are, are different than the U.S. Um, 
a lot of times we play out here and, and the weather is a lot nicer than when they play in Europe. Um, the golf course conditions are a lot nicer than when you play in Asia. Uh, and it just, you learn how to adapt to where you're at and, and make the best of it. And, um, I just, I've been everywhere. I've been Australia, Middle East, Europe, Asia, you name it. I mean, even third world countries. Um, and you learn a lot just going everywhere in the world and you become stronger too. You, cause you, you, you go from flying 15 hours to, if you play the PG tour, you know, you're only flying a few hours. So you're already kind of toughened up from all those travel playing overseas. Yeah, by the time you make it to the PGA Tour, it's relatively easy compared to what you've grinded out for a couple of years, right? I mean, oh, I can yeah. see where that advantage is at. Um, winning. So, I mean, you won the Volvo Masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that a co-sanctioned event? Was that European No, it was just a full – it was an Asian Tour uh, tour championship. But winning at a pretty darn high level in doing it, that momentum carry into the – when you went I'm, through the stages of Q School to try to, to get in the PGA Tour, That I'm mm-hmm. assuming that's a huge step in your process that you know you can get the job done when you need to, and that confidence has to carry over when you're saying, okay, I'm going to try to take the next step to get on the PGA Tour. Yeah, um, obviously back in the days when we used to play Q School, I mean, that's that's the ultimate pressure. You're playing for a job. You're proving yourself to get a job, and um, I almost think it's tougher than than winning because, I mean, <laughs> this is you're talking about your future here. Um, it was a I, I can remember like it was yesterday. I played all three stages. Um, I got through the first stage pretty pretty easily. Uh, I won the first stage and won, made it through by 18 shots. And then the second stage, I finished third, made it by eight shots, and then the final stage. I only made it by two shots, and I remember coming down a stretch. Now it's six rounds, six rounds. By the sixth round, you're so beat, you're so tired. Uh, I remember my putting my pants on in the morning, my belt loop. I mean, I I had to pull another, you know, the the loop, uh, the belt hole, you know, pull it another hole tighter. And I remember being so nervous uh, coming down a stretch, and I just had to make a few pars. And it's a it's a it's a different ball game. Um, I think everything that I did leading up to the, the Q School in two thousand and three, end of two thousand and three, playing overseas, I, I because I won the Ball of Master Asia, it got me into Firestone, the World Championship. It got me into Wentworth, the basically the European Tour Players Championship. And I played against you know the guys in the top of the world at those tournaments, and you know I learned a lot just watching, being there, playing well in those tournaments. And it actually gave me confidence that, look, I think, I, you know, I can do this. And um, it helped me get through Q School. In the the pressure of Q School is, it, I mean, there's pressure everywhere, winning golf tournaments, mm-hmm. playing in majors. Is it still, it's a, so you're saying it's a different pressure. It's a different yeah. pressure than, than even going in a major championship or a back nine for well, a victory. It's I don't know about a major championship. I think major well, you, you played in majors, right? So you would have the anticipation of a major and wanting to perform at a high level, and you've you've done it a bunch of times. I mean, yeah. there's supposed to be pressure there too, right? I mean, it's a I major. think it's a different mindset. Just a different mindset. Because um, if you don't get through tour school, you have to wait a year. I mean, a full year to try again, and um, nobody wants to do that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I kind of miss the old school, 
old school I like school. Yeah. It was actually fun to watch too. It, it was like great TV, right? And then you would get yeah. guys like Beamer out of like nowhere, and then he would win on tour. I understand why they're trying to do it because they want mm-hmm. the guys to prove themselves. But I love the stories yeah. of like some oh, yeah. guy out of nowhere just does it, yeah. and yeah. you know, in you know that Cinderella story doesn't seem like it's there quite as much with the web. But I understand they want a better quality of play. But, but yeah, that was I get great it. TV. It really was. You know, when you watch those six rounds and watch that last round coming down, as a viewer of golf fan, it was it oh, was yeah. great drama. It and really there's some hor- horror stories too, nightmares. Yeah, Guys just just falling apart. And there's some Cinderella stories too, but more nightmares. And it's sad. I, I yeah I you know anyone getting through that gauntlet you know back in the day you just have to tip your hat to them and say well bold sir because that would be that's that's a difficult difficult track you you those you earned your card going through that one kevin that's for sure yes. las vegas so my question is how did you pick that to be your home base and mm-hmm. i know you're associated with southern highlands what makes that such a great club to play out of so i moved to las vegas around 2009 right in that i don't know exactly year but it's somewhere around there my brother was um, planning to go to grad school at UNLV after he graduated from UCLA. And um, I said, you know what, I'm gonna, why don't I move out there with you? We'll get a place together. And, you know, I'm gone most of the time, so you'll you'll have basically a place to stay um, and can help me out looking out for my place, and I'll see what it's like. And, um, and I moved out there, and I, I liked the facilities, playing out, practicing out of the CPC courses, and, you know, the fact that, you know, your brother was was there when you're home, it was kind of cool. And I, I, I liked it. And after he graduated, after two years, um, he left and I stayed. And, and uh, about three years ago, I moved to the golf course community called Southern Highlands. Um, the golf course is a great golf course. Uh, I really enjoy playing and practicing out of there. Um, I live inside the gate, so it, it, it really makes sense for me. And um, I really enjoy Las Vegas. It's, a, it's my adopted home. And and um, we really like it there. Is there? Uh, I know there's a lot of players that play out at TPC there. If you if you want a competitive game or some guys to play with to stay sharp, is that kind of the the oh, yeah. place where you can go get a really good quality game of other professionals? And and there's got to be a pretty good group there if you really want the action and competitiveness. I would assume. Oh yeah, I mean, there's we have plenty of guys. I mean, Ryan Moore lives in um, Las Vegas. Scott Piercy, uh, Charlie Hoffman just moved back to California. Um, and there's uh, Aaron Wise, um, and then there's some European uh, David Lipsky, um, yep. and then um, Web.com player. I'm good friends with Alex Kang, uh, and we'll play we'll play for money game at Southern Highlands. Um, you know, some friendly, just to get you know the competitive juices going. And Lipsky, um, Alex Kang, and um, you know any other tour players uh, that's available, we'll call them up. We'll, we'll get a game together and we'll go play. Even Sam Bay moved out there. I played with him in Southern Highlands too. So I like to I like to invite him invite him out to Southern Highlands, my my neighborhood, and also another uh, Web.com player, John Oda. So we we get out there. We we we'll play some team play events and uh, team play game, and it's a lot of fun. Well, it had to be pretty cool to win uh, in your adopted home hometown in Las Vegas at the 2011 mm. Shriners. Um, thoughts on that week, and you know, to finally achieve that moment of winning on the biggest stage in the world has to be a pretty incredible accomplishment and feeling to, to get over that finish line and do it. Oh yeah. There's no feeling like winning. I mean, that's why we do this. Right. And, um, and it's to win. And 
to hoist that trophy at the end of the week, it, it's, you feel like you're on top of the world. It took me a while to get my first win. I mean, I had, you know, a lot of chances at it, and I finally broke through in 2011. Um, and to do it at hometown in front of your, you know, the hometown crowd, it, it was it was even more special. And then it took another another long time for me to win another one. But um, you know what? It, it, it's been it's been a uh, a great ride that I enjoyed. Looking forward to that second win, and I got it. And it's going to be another fun ride for to to chase that third win. And um, I think it'll come a lot sooner than than it did the second one. Yeah, then we can talk. I had that in my notes a little bit later. But that second win, you know, you could tell it meant a lot to you. You know, everyone's talked about how emotionally you got afterwards. But it's been yeah. a long time coming, and you know, to do it at a really historic golf course. I mean, there's such history there. That mm-hmm. second win. Uh, I know for you guys on tour, winning winning more than once when you validate that second win, mm-hmm. there's a just it's a different level, and that had to be beyond satisfying. I'm assuming to you to to kind of notch that second one out, kind of get that yeah. pressure off that you're a multiple winner on the PGA Tour. Of course, of course. I mean, I've had so many so many close calls. I mean, the, compared to my first one, I was the the span I had in between my first win and second win I've had uh, better play I mean better golf I mean more top ten finishes more second place finishes um, I mean I've I've made a lot of tour championships and there was no there was no excuse why I wasn't winning and everyone says oh you're gonna win you're gonna win but till you do it's still a question mark and you know I kept you know you get to a point where you, you maybe start doubt starts creeping in your mind a little bit but that Sunday I, I felt so good I felt I mean I was playing great golf nobody you know was, was going to catch me I was, I was so far ahead and it was nice because I was so far ahead to enjoy the last few holes um, instead of stressing so much coming down the stretch but uh, that was a special one another go- I'm assuming another golf course that fits your eye naturally uh, mm. I mean, that classic Seth Rainer design the bunk green it has to be that I, I mean, I love Golden Age architecture. That that has to be a fantastic track to get out there and play some golf on, on top of winning. But like I said, just the the history of that golf course on top of it, it has to be a really cool way to win your second one. Oh, definitely. I mean, that golf course is a lot of fun. There's, I mean, there's great architect work in there. I mean, I wish more golf courses was like that. But um, yeah, every time before I even went there, I really enjoyed going there. It's a great resort. Very family friendly. Um, it was one of my one of my spots that I really like going on tour, and um, it was even nicer. Obviously, you know, it's even nicer because I'm I'm a I'm a past champion there. Well, well, let's talk about the person who helped you win that event last year, the great Kenny Harms. As you know, he was on the podcast last year, had a great conversation with him, and uh, mm-hmm. yesterday I was texting the goat. That's just what I put him as in my in my phone. He's just the goat. <laughs> And, um, you, you know, just say, yes, he's the goat. yes, he's just the goat. You know, I mean, just, it is what it is. And so I was asking, you know, what I should, what I should ask you. And, um, the question that, that Kenny and I came up with is, uh, do you feel extreme pressure knowing you have to perform at the highest level kind of every day when you're with Kenny, knowing you have a living legend on the bag? And then part two, <laughs> he has such great attributes and, you know, wonderful and amazing things about his personality and there's so many we don't have time to list them all but if there was one or two of these wonderful attributes about kenny that you like about him the most you know what would those be those are kind of questions uh, yeah i'm gonna have about 30 minutes to think about what what i like about 
Right. Yeah, it just doesn't pop quickly into your head, right? Since we don't have much time. Um, <laughs> he, no, in all seriousness, he, what does he yeah, bring? Yeah, in all seriousness. Yeah, you, yes, he doesn't, I'm joking, of course. He won't. He tells you what you need to hear, not what – I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. He doesn't tell you what you need to hear. He'll tell you what – he'll tell you what's on his mind. He's honest. So if he doesn't like something, he'll tell you he doesn't like something. If I'm doing something wrong, he'll tell me I'm doing something wrong. Now, it, whether I accept it or take it, that's up to me. But he's a, he's a huge supporter, very positive. He, he'll cheer, root for me, no matter what the situation is. But when I need a little whip and saying, and somebody to talk a little sense to me, let's, whether that means he feels like I need to work harder or I'm doing something wrong or I was out of line, he's the first one to tell me. And I think um, because the way he is that he's caddy for me for 11 years. If he just said what I wanted to hear, I don't think we would have had this relationship for 11 years. Yeah, it's a long-standing one, right? Yeah, it's. I yeah. mean, you guys must make it work, right? Because to have that success and and what you guys have accomplished, and to you know not ever have that breakup in that period of time, you, you know, it says something about yeah. how well you guys work together. I got to tell you a funny story. So, I ran. We ran into Julie Inkster at the U.S. Open um, four five four years ago, and it was our seventh. We've been together for seven years. She was doing TV, and she knows Kenny. And she goes, "Hey, Kenny, how are you? How have you been? Blah blah blah." And she goes, hey, you guys, and you and Kevin have been doing great together. How, how many years have you been together? And he said, uh, Kenny goes, seven years. And she looked at me and goes, how do you do it? That's more than a lot of marriages. How do you do it? And I looked at her and said, we're in love. <laughs> she, she was dying laughing. She couldn't stop laughing. I would like to see the look on Kenny's laugh. face when you said that one, right? Kenny must have been like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> But it's funny. Uh, it's funny. She doesn't keep her. But he's a good. He's a good guy, man. Like I said, I love yeah. having him on the podcast. He's he can t- he's very smart, and he has some really interesting insights into being a professional caddy, right? And it was just a, yeah. it was a really interesting forty five minutes with him. He's seen a lot. Like you can tell, he's a he's a pros pros caddy, right? Like yeah. he's he he's job. really really good. I know he's really well respected out on the PGA tour, right? I mean, I know he's kind of one of those top guys, so it's cool. You guys have made that work for so long. And then I told him I was going to put the sarcastic question about how great he is out there. And he laughs. So <laughs> you can tell him about that tomorrow when you bump into him. I will. Let's uh, another uh, good friend of yours, uh, Mr. Tiger Woods. Uh, yeah. Pretty amazing stuff of late. I know you guys are good friends. You know, the walk-in putt was hilarious and to see Tiger smiling and having fun with it. What's your sort of take on this resurgence he has had? It looks like from the outside, there's just so much more joy in what he is doing. And I know it was mm-hmm. all business before, but it just looks yeah. like he is really enjoying this ride and the smiles. And as a golf fan, like I always respected how great he was. Like it's, it's undeniable. Yeah. Tim or Nicholas, but to see him do it with a smile and like the walk and putt thing, like that just wouldn't have mm-hmm. happened in 2005. No. I love seeing that. I love seeing that interaction with Tiger and just sort of what's your take on, you know, what he's accomplished on this mm-hmm. new comeback. And, and do you see the same thing where it looks like there's a lot of joy in what he's doing these days? So obviously he, he's the goat here, uh, the real goat, not Kenny. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I looked up to Tiger growing up. I mean, he's obviously, he's broken all the records. It, I think the popularity of golf is where it is because of Tiger. 
Uh, we all thank him for that. And, you know, back when he first came out and he was dominating and there was that charisma and intimidation factor, he didn't want, he, he, he never smiled. I mean, you know, he, he wanted you to be afraid of him and he didn't want to look like the nice guy. And, and he dominated and, you know, he had that aura around him. He still does have the aura, but this, this is my opinion. I think after what he's, all the things he's gone through from injuries to personal life issues, to playing some, some awful golf. And he basically had the yips too with, with chipping. And yeah. after all this has happened and he, and he, everybody thought he wasn't going to be able to win another tournament, and he was never going to compete at any decent level. And then he started coming back, playing halfway decent. I think he starts appreciating just the fact that he's out there and playing halfway decent again. You know what I mean? He's happy mm-hmm. to be playing golf. He's happy. He's he's appreciating that. Like I'm being, I'm able to get out of bed. My back's not killing me. People still love me, and for him to play at the level that he wants to, I think he enjoys it. And I think you can see that, um, that he's happier. Um, and he's, he's very thankful to be, and to be out there and playing. And, um, obviously and when he, after he won and this huge, huge monkey off his back and everyone from proving everybody that doubted him, I think it was a big relief for him too. And I think that's, I think that's what we're seeing. And, uh, he's a lot more personable, signs a lot more autographs. He smiles a lot more. He jo- he'll even joke while you're playing with him in competition. And this is a new tiger. Um, and I think everybody loves him. And not only that, yeah, it, with this, when everybody loves him, the new tiger, and he won the Masters. I mean, it's, it, this is incredible. Yeah, he can kind of be the intimidating guy in the back nine on Sunday when he needs to be, yet it's not mm-hmm. 24-7, right? Like, that's yes, why I think the yes. balance is kind of nice as a golf fan yes. to see. Like, it doesn't look like that all the time. I, I had an interesting story. I caddied on a Monday Pro-Am in his group. It had to be like 1994-95 at the Western Open after he got in the tournament from winning the USAM, right? Okay. And it's the Monday program, right? So mm-hmm. and I, they call my name and I get the Woods group. I'm like a golf nut that age. So I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever, right? Mm-hmm. And he grinded out that Monday program round. Like Monday. it was the last round of a Monday program round. This is the bad program. And I would also do the Wednesday program because yes. I was in college and it was a good tip. But I looked at this guy and I thought to myself, he is going to just kick the crap out of people. I mean, he was grinding this thing out. Who like grinds on a Monday li- program? Tiger Woods at 18 years old did. I'm telling you, it was all business for 18 holes. Wow. And I was like, I love it. Like, this guy is like Ben Hogan reincarnated of the seriousness. So, like, you could just tell he yeah. was not out there that week because he was just happy to be in a PGA Tour event. He was out there to win. And Monday was wow. a day of work. And it was like, wow. I'd I, I caddied enough of them where, you know, most guys don't do that on a Monday program. Mm-hmm. He did. So, man, you could just see that intensity when he was that age, you know, and, and the burning desire. It was it was really cool to see it up close. But, you know, as that time has worn on, I also like seeing him smile a little bit more, too. So it's yeah, I think he's got a great balance going now. But I'll tell you what, man, I've never seen somebody grind so hard in a Monday pro-am in my entire life. That's but awesome. uh, he was uh, he was all business. That's for sure. Um going to bring this up and we're not going to rehash the, the the yip thing that you had because you worked through it and you got past it and mm-hmm. you're playing great golf the reason i want to bring it up is i think what can 
amateur golfers learn from because we've all been there where you don't feel comfortable mm. and golf is hard and you know and you had to do it at a professional level and get over it and make it work and you have so going through something like that you have to have a lot of positive out of a out of a negative situation and you've you've, mm. you've gotten past it so what can we kind of take from or what do amateur golfers need to kind of potentially learn when we're not feeling comfortable about our game or is there a tip we can kind of use from what you know, you grinded through and, and manned up and, and got past. It's, it's just learning how to release tension in your body um, when you're, you know, about over the ball or going through your, your pre-shot routine. Um, number one, you need to have a pre-shot routine. Um, a lot of amateurs don't, and that can also lead into, I don't know, even use the word, but I would say trouble. Um, and um, just breathing. Um, I think breathing is really important. People, uh, people don't breathe right. Um, and I think that's one of the big things that helped me was um, when I learned how to breathe, when I felt like when I was going through the the, pro, the, the troubles I've had and um, breathing really helped me release some of the anxiety and tension out of my body uh, when I was when I was playing golf. So, yeah, so it's literally just getting comfortable. And then yeah. once that kind of transpires, then you can let your talent come out and just play the golf shot. And you, yeah, I agree with that, right? It probably doesn't matter if you're mm-hmm. a, a five handicap, 15 or a professional, being relaxed, let the body feel soft mm-hmm. and make your motion. But I also feel that when, when you go through what I've gone through or what all the amateurs go through, there's always one technical thing that it's not just, it doesn't come for no reason. Yes, you need to loosen up. You need to get the tension out. But there's you need to work on some of the techniques that helps you get out of that problem too. Because uh, there's something triggering your subconscious because whatever you're doing is not right. And your subconscious knows that and it's trying to stop you. Or you're afraid because you know that subconsciously your swing, your technique is wrong. So you have to work on with your coach the right technique also. So it's a combination of, of yes. mechanics and from yes. a psychological standpoint of relaxing and letting it happen. And, and mm-hmm. like I said, maybe for the amateur golfers trying to maybe have a one way miss, right? Where, Hey, under pressure, you can still get a ball with a little, little baby squeeze fade out there. And if you have to get a ball in the fairway, work on technique to maybe have a shot that, you know, you can play something to yep. that extent. Yeah. Um, yeah, whether you know it's a takeaway or a downs, whatever it is, you know, you work on the coach and listen to what they got to say. At the same time, when you're working on stuff, you still people start, you know, get tightened up and they start tensing up and get quick uh, when they when they trying to do something, you know, fix something. So breathe because when you breathe, you move you move smoother and slower. And you know, obviously, you know, you know, every every pro is all oh, out. You got quick on that one. I know it's it's. it's you know, it's, you hear it too often, but it's really important to breathe and swing within yourself and with your tempo at the same time and also the same pre-shot routine. Well, I just got a, uh, a few more here, then we'll get you out of here. They're kind of quick hitters. Um, your move to Callaway uh, for this mm-hmm. season, uh, how did that come about? How long did the process take for you to get comfortable with all the equipment and then um, – what equipment is in the bag this year, and what benefits are you seeing? So last last year uh, in springtime, I came up on a, a, a Callaway Epic driver, and I hit it, and 
I fell in love with it. And um, ever since then, I've been playing this uh, the Callaway Epic Driver, and I think it's really hot. Um, I, I, I've never had a driver that as hot as this one. And I was playing a Callaway Driver when they weren't even paying me. Um, and then I went to I went to Callaway this year, and I've been playing still the same driver. And I'm playing the Flash Three with the Flash Three with is going so far that I had to I had to adjust my five wood so I can fill in the gap. Um, sometimes I don't play with a five wood; I, I play with a, just a hybrid, and I just play with a big gap. But um, this high, this three wood is so hot, and I got the Apex Pro iron that was a super easy transition for me to put it in. And what was surprising for me was was the wedges. I put a 50 degree and a 54 degree, uh, uh, the 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 Mac Daddy, and the way it goes through the turf. I've always been a little diggy and with with my wedges and, and spin it too much, but this wide I started playing this wide sole, and the way it goes through the turf, it, it never gets too diggy. Uh, it slides through the turf nicely, and it's more forgiving because it, because of the way the sole goes through the ground. Even though I don't catch it perfect, I don't. The distance control is much better, so I've been very happy with my anywhere from like this ninety to one hundred twenty yard shot. I feel I've been feeling really confident. Best golf shot you ever hit under pressure? Oh, you can't put it to me like that. It just one. Uh, there could be a couple, or is there, is there a few that just stand out that? Yeah, damn, that was a I, good shot when you needed it. Yeah, when I won um, my first tournament, I was under the tree on the right on the 18th hole, and I had a five iron to a blind green. I couldn't even see it. It's a blind shot um, over a tree, and I, I hit it on the green about 40 feet. And for me to hit the and there's hazard left, and for me to hit the green uh, out of the trees under pressure, that was I think. I think one of my best shots. When you're away from the tour, uh, do you have any other hobbies that you really like to do just to sort of unwind and relax? Um, yeah, I use, I, I go through phases, but sometimes I like to cook. Um, I like to cook for my family. Um, I was in a phase where I used to go fishing on the golf course. So I left them number eight. I went through that phase a little bit. Uh, but right now, I think um, with with our you know our our daughter Sophia, she's almost three now. Uh, I think just you know I've been busy playing with her, and she's starting to talk more. So it's a lot of fun to talk to her. Uh, she just never know what she's gonna say, and um, it's been a lot of fun hanging out with her. Well, you kind of answered my last one here already I, on the Cypress question, but my my well, so let's eliminate that one. So, are there two or three golf courses that you have not played yet that are on the list that you would just absolutely love to get out there and play if you, yes, you have the opportunity and time to do it? There's actually two, exactly two. Uh, one is uh, Cypress Point, what we talked about, and the other one is um, uh, Pine Valley. I've heard that's so good. I yeah, just, I, I heard. I, so, the guy who caddied for me in the Part 3 contest, Masters Part 3 contest, just became a member there, so I got to weigh in. You got an in. You got an in. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for the time uh, this evening. You know, best of luck uh, at the Byron Nelson in Dallas. And, and you know, best of luck into this, uh, you know, majors coming up in a busy summer. But uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Say hi to Kenny for me tomorrow. I will. Thanks, Jason. I enjoyed it.